FAMU versus Texas Southern was a little bit more entertaining than I expected. And really, it was a tale of two halves that was decided by the running attack. Oh, yeah. It's locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are locked on HBCU. Your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Going on, family. Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor and current contributing writer at USA Today's Saints Wire. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day every day. And remember, just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over. It just means it's time to follow me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Starts with an S, ends with an S. And today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college and use the code locked on college for a first deposit match up to a hundred dollars. Daily fantasy sports made easy. We wrap up with one of the bigger surprises to me, and that was the efficiency of South Carolina State's offense as they put up 30 points against Delaware State. And I'm here to tell you it doesn't matter that it was against Delaware State. Also, we start off with a two-part, a feature, a double feature. You know how we get down here with the game that I attended this weekend. Florida AM versus Texas Southern. I will review the performance of Jace Wilson, the Texas Southern quarterback for pretty much this whole year at this point now. And then also we'll kick it off with kind of a breakdown of how this game went. And of course, our game of the week last week was North Carolina Central versus Morgan State. We did that already on Friday because it was a Thursday game. So I got to go to this FAMU Texas Southern game. And I said, you know what? Since we've already had our game of the week conversation, since we've already kind of closed that chapter, I ain't going to say close that chapter. We'll actually be back about it. We'll actually be back talking about it tomorrow. But we we can put that on pause. This game was so entertaining to me, surprisingly entertaining. I went there fully expecting FAMU to blow Texas Southern out the water from the first snap of the game. And that's just not what happened. And this was something I thought was interesting. Going into the game, TSU was the best rushing offense into, in, the, in the SWAC. They were the 10th best rushing defense, right? That's important. So coming into the game, TSU was the best rush offense in the SWAC and the 10th best rush defense in the SWAC. Meanwhile, FAMU was the best rush defense in the SWAC and the 10th best rush offense. I just thought that was a crazy coincidence, and it was kind of a cool stat. But then it's also on a point where both of you have an extremely strong point and you have an extremely weak point on whatever side that it belongs to. Something's got to give. And in the first half, TSU looked like the best rushing offense 
in the conference. And fam, you looked like one of the worst rushing offenses in the conference. But then you get into the second half, and fam, you looked like the best rush defense in the conference. And Texas Southern looked like one of the worst rushing defenses in the conference. It was something that was truly fascinating because when Texas Southern was able to run the ball, you saw the passing game open up for him. Ladarius Owens had a phenomenal first half. It was a moment where we're in the in the press box and it's all Texas Southern people. There was I don't know where the fam you guys were. I know that they had a uh, radio people in a different room, but in the box that I was in, it was all TSU personnel, right? And people were kind of getting excited. I didn't quite get excited. I, I didn't feel like it was going to last, but I was sitting there in awe. I was sitting there in pure disbelief. Because I'm watching Ladarius Owens, who I do know is a good running back, but he's tearing up this FAMU defensive front. And I'm sitting here like, it looks easy. And I was I was in disbelief. I couldn't believe what I was seeing at that moment. And then in the second half, things kind of switched. Ladarius Owens had 90, over 90 yards. I don't remember the exact number, but he had over 90 yards in the first half. FAMU had allowed 126 yards total in a game. That's the most they had given up all year long. So the pace that TSU was on, best offense in the swack and running the ball or not, was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. So I'm sitting here like, what's going to change? And something changed. They got it together. They got execution. And then FAMU started running the ball. See, the way that TSU's running game opened up the passing game for FAMU, their running game opened up misdirection. You've seen two back-to-back plays, one with John Murray Sharid, one with Burke, where they were both end rounds. And it was one of those things where I was just watching Sharid at all times, but I lost him on his end around. And that's how effective that the FAMU running game was at that point. You look at the, at the first half, they struggled the whole game. You look in the third quarter, not even just the second half, but the third quarter itself, Fam, you ran for 158 yards, and they ran for over 200 yards for the first time since game one against Jackson State. Listen, TSU might not be a good rush defense, but what Fam, you was able to do in that second half, specifically in that third quarter, completely changed the tide of the game. They ran 76 plays. I think one was the kneel down. So, like, you're looking at 75 plays. You're looking at a crazy time of possession difference. These are the things that you're looking at in this game that absolutely swung the tide. And when TSU was running the football well, they weren't able to put up as many points. There was one time where TSU got down to what was probably the five-ish yard line. It was on the opposite side of the press box, and I got an astigmatism. It is what it is. I couldn't see that well, but they were close. And it was a situation where I think it was a fourth and one. And they kicked the field goal. I didn't mind it. I didn't love it. I wouldn't have done it. But I didn't mind it overall. But they missed the field goal. So now, instead of scoring 17 points or 21 points in the first half, you score 14. And fam, you uh, throws a touchdown at the end of the first half. So now it's 14-7. And I'm like, okay, I know what's coming from here. And I was right. That's what happened. But overall, it was just it was just crazy, man. Also, because we're not going to discuss FAMU again, I did feel like the way that they used Jamare Sharid was extremely efficient, and I think that they should try to continue doing that. I don't know how much his alignment is this way, but he had way more rushing attempts this game than he's had all year. 
So you've seen him lined up in his regular out wide, in the slot, in the backfield, used in motion. He's such a dangerous threat for FAMU's offense that I want to see him continue to be used that way, right? I, I can't speak to his alignment, whether he's running routes out of the backfield, but I've seen him line him up as a running back, and I knew he was getting the ball. He got it. But this was one of the things that I'm m- mentioning. The way that they ran the ball in the second half, that play was way more effective in the second half than it was in the first half because you had the threat of the running game. This was a this was this was a switch, a complete switch in one that told the story of the game. I wouldn't have thought I would have came into a FAMU game and said the rushing offense was the thing that determined how effective they were on offense. But that was the truth. But enough of this running back talk. I know you want to hear about the quarterbacks. I know you want to hear about them. And I'm not going to discuss Jeremy Moose this time. I'm going to look at Jace Wilson on the other side, the Texas Southern quarterback who's been their starting quarterback since week two and will be that way for the rest of the season, health permitting, of course. I finally got to lay eyes on him. I finally got to see what I felt about him, in my opinion, in this game. And I'll look at exactly what I liked as we continue with Locked On HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by Athletic Brewing. And just like uh, just like Gassett, Jamari Gassett, Athletic Brewing is changing the game for non-alcoholic beers. Now, Gassett is the guy who caught that touchdown at the end of the first half that Coach McKinney said gave FAMU the confidence to be able to come out in the second half and know that they could really run things in that second half. I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically how it happened. That's non-alcoholic beers. They're changing the game. These brews have been put up next to some of the alcoholic beers, and they don't even stand up. It's athletic brewing every day of the week, award-winning at that. So all you have to do is go to athleticbrewing.com. I love them because there's no hangover. I can drink them anytime, watching a game, at a game. I can drive after. They just taste good, and there's no leftover effects. So go to athleticbrewing.com and then use the code Locked On. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for 15% off your first order. That's Athletic Brewing. Excuse me, Athletic Brewing, code Locked On for 15% off your offer. As we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day every day. And remember, on Friday, we'll be here with our college football kickoff live. If you do miss that live, you can always come to the podcast page. You can come to the YouTube page. And after that, it'll be stored on this Locked on HBCU page. We've already looked at the running backs, both for FAMU and Texas Southern. But what about Jace Wilson, the quarterback? Because This was the first time that I watched him play. And I know I came on here and I told you that I was going to watch at least a quarter of him in Bethune-Cookman's matchup. I didn't. I didn't. Straight up. I'm just going to, I ain't going to lie to you. I didn't do it. I didn't get around to it. But I knew I was going to see him this weekend. And this was another one of the things that I was looking towards. I was looking towards Isaiah Major. It was a, it was okay game. It wasn't anything crazy. But for Jace Wilson, I actually walked out. A little bit optimistic, and I know it seems strange because the offense got extremely stagnant in the second half, but I think that there's a couple of 
pieces of context that I need to add here. One, in my evaluation, this is one game. No evaluation is perfect after one game. You can get an idea of what you think a guy is, but there's no perfect evaluation after one game. Secondly, this is against the best defense in the swag. So this isn't really fair. This, you know, like there's going to be many quarterbacks who struggle against FAMU. But all in all, I was okay about it. I didn't have any preconceived notions because I hadn't watched them yet. I walked in the press box, but this is actually Wilson's first home game in the home stadium. He was in, you know, CSU plays homecoming in a different place than they play every other game. So nobody in the press box had seen him. And I don't know how many media members were at homecoming because I wasn't at homecoming. But I saw a player who took what he got. When he's seen the open receiver, he hit it. He had good accuracy for the most part. I think that his second half stats probably would have looked a little bit better if he had some, if he had less drops, you know. But I think that I want to play what Clarence McKinney, head coach McKinney, said about his performance because there was a very important piece of information in McKinney's answer about how Jason Wilson had performed that I want to highlight, but I think that he says it in a way better than I could. Yeah, Jason's done a tremendous job for us as a program. You know, he came into the season not expecting to be the starter. Uh, the team didn't expect him to be the starter. He's new to the program. Uh, but he was thrown into the fire against some quality opponents. You know, his first start was against Toledo, started against Rice. And us as coaches, we're, we're still trying to figure out what he does best. And so we we can't treat Jace as if he's Andrew because they're two, two different talents, two different people. And so we're, we're learning Jace. Jace is learning us, learning the scheme. I think he's doing a tremendous job. I think he's done a tremendous job. He's given us an opportunity to uh, be one of the better offenses in this way. And the, the future is bright for him. You heard Coach McKinney and his conversations, and I, I really thought it was a good press conference and insightful for McKinney. But the most important thing in there to me is that he's not body. And listen, I every day, as you know, I have high praise for Andrew Body. I think he's a fantastic talent. So when I say that he's not body, it's not to say, hey, man, you can't be as good as Andrew Body. No, literally, he's not body. They're different people. They have different things that they would like to do. And they weren't, they meaning Texas Southern, they weren't in a situation like a lot of other teams. They didn't come into the season with a quarterback battle. There was no question. There was no reason that Jace Wilson, outside of maybe some health reasons for body trying to get him ramped up for the season, that Wilson would have taken any first team reps. There was no reason that they had to sit there and plan for him because it was all body. That's what it was going to be. And that comes into the idea of we're still trying to figure out what he does well because they're not game planning around him. And they're trying to trying to make up for time. Usually you have an offseason to learn a player in that way, in that, that deep of a way, right? Because you know him to a certain extent because they called a pretty good game for him. Honestly, whoever's calling the plays at TSU, especially in the first half, I thought they did a really good job. And when the run game was working, you saw Jace Wilson's best self. You know, he's not a playmaker at this point, but it's difficult to be a playmaker when your coaches aren't quite sure of what you do the best. And that's not a criticism. It's just 
if you're going to be a quote unquote playmaker, you're going to be doing it in the things that you do better than any other part of your game. For example, if you have a mobile quarterback, if you want him to be a playmaker, you're probably going to ask him to use his legs, whether that's rollouts, whether that's actually running the football. But when you want him to be a playmaker and he's a mobile quarterback, you're not going to tell him to be a statue. That's not the best way to make him a playmaker. So as the coaching staff learns him and you get closer to the end of the year, you'll probably see him make a couple of more plays. But as of right now, like I mentioned earlier, he's taking what the defense is giving him. He's using the run action. He's using the RPOs. He's making quick and good decisions, right? So in the RPOs, you have to make that call quick. Are you going to give it off to the running back? Are you going to take it out and throw it? And if you throw it, you can't sit in the pocket for two and a half seconds because the running or excuse me, the offensive line, they don't know if it's a running play. They don't know if it's a passing play. So they're going to be moving downfield. You have to make that decision quick. And I thought he did it really well. I thought he had some nice touches on a couple of his passes. And especially that one, that last touchdown that was in the back pylon, it was a corner route. It was right on the money. It looked good. Of course, the second half wasn't as great. Aside from just the drops, things just didn't go as well. The running game is the heartbeat of Texas Southern's offense, not just because it's the best rushing attack in the SWAT, but because when you look at the running game, it helps them get into third and manageables. It lets them escape third downs. But once you get into a second and long, then they struggle to convert that into a third and medium. And now you're in a third and long, and now you're in must-pass situations, and now you have guys like Dunn from FAMU chasing after you, and it just wasn't a good mix. But overall, in the first half, when you've seen better third downs, when you've seen better second downs, that's when you've seen better play from Jace Wilson. He is, like Coach McKinney said, been thrusted into a situation that simply he wasn't supposed to be in. And maybe they didn't expect him to have to be here, but he's learning in the fire, and I liked what I saw. It gave me optimism, and how do I want to say this? Who knows what the future holds for Texas Southern at the quarterback position, right? Um, but Jace Wilson has done enough in this game at least this game. Remember, one game is not a perfect evaluation. If this is more of what we've seen and probably against lesser defenses looks even better. I'm all right with Jace Wilson as the starting quarterback. I am. Of course, you want body because this is a swag player of the year type of player. But if I have to rock with Wilson for a little bit until body gets healthy, I, I'm OK with that if I'm Texas Southern. Now, as we move forward, we're going to switch gears from TSU, from FAMU. We're going to go in. We're going to look at the MEAC because speaking of offenses who I wasn't quite sure about, South Carolina State just dropped 30 on Delaware State. Don't tell me it's Delaware State because that's South Carolina State. And that's an offense that I didn't think was capable of doing that to any MEAC opponent. But we'll look at why that's so important as we continue with Locked On HBCU. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, and Prize Picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. And it's simple. It's actually I have a funny story. Let me tell you the funny story first. So today I'm in a group chat, and it's a fantasy group chat of a different kind. And they were sending their their um prize picks in there. And this guy was like, Man, Bijan, bro. Bijan just need 22 and a half receiving yards. Turned out Bijan was like sick or something today. Um, and they didn't give him the ball. 
and he was heated. They were like, man, Jordan Addison messed up my my leg. Uh, 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 Bijan messed him up. Like, it was just crazy what they were talking about, but it was all prize picks. And he prize picks get serious. Put down $10, have a potential to make $100. So that's my little story of the day for it. But if you want to have your own experience and not just one from a friend of mine, then go to prizepicks.com slash college. And when you do, use the code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE to have your first deposit matched up to a hundred dollars that's prizepicks.com slash locked on college with the code locked on college to get your first deposit matched up to a hundred dollars prize picks daily fantasy sports made easy As we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making this your first listen of the day. Every day, making it all the way to segment three. And I thank you two times for that. South Carolina State just dropped 30 on Delaware State. And I texted somebody about that. And they told me Delaware State's in a rebuilding process. To which my retort is, I don't care. Because when I'm looking at South Carolina State, when I look at how I personally felt about that offense, I didn't think they would be able to string offense together consecutively enough times in one game to do this against a MEAC opponent. Now, key word there, MEAC opponent. So if you're going to be like, Mouth of the South, you, you know they, they didn't drop 30 twice. They even dropped 50. Yeah, but they dropped 50 against Virginia University of Lynchburg. Okay. I'm not worried about that. That didn't move me. That didn't sway me to be impressed. And then against the Citadel, I was just, it was another game. I was just like, whatever. But when you go against this team in your conference, it's not about the quality opponent. Because I was out here talking about South Carolina State like they were peers with Delaware State. Now, I personally view everybody in your conference as peers, specifically when you have a small conference like this. But if they're not peers, that's a compliment to South Carolina State because that means I need to remove them from the grouping that I uh, previously had them in. Because I previously said, you know what? I got North Carolina Central and I got Howard, championship tier, top dogs tier. Then I got Norfolk State. I got Morgan State trying to prove it tier. They want to move into that upper that uh, that upper echelon, but they got a couple of things to prove first. And then I had South Carolina State and Delaware State in the we really don't care Forget about them. They're not a big threat tier. Granted, even in that tier, I do believe that everybody in the MEAC with the way that they play ball can get somebody. It just happens. You know, it's crazy things happen. But South Carolina State, they might need to be in their own tier. I don't think they're trying to prove it to be in the upper echelon. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that they got all things fixed. That's a lot to jump to after one game in conference play. And I actually think that would be reckless to say. I think that South Carolina State still has a little bit to prove until they can say, yeah, we aren't what we looked at at the beginning of the year. Because right now, this is this is a one-off for me. I'm not counting the Citadel. I'm not counting Virginia University Lynchburg. I'm looking at Delaware State rebuilding or not. This is a MEAC opponent. This is your peer, and you are able to drop 30 on them. And that's just a good sign for the offense. That's just a sign that says, oh, the offense can put things together like this. The offense cannot self-sabotage. The offense can lean on this trio of running backs that are extremely young and say, yeah, we can get the offense going through these guys. Now, let's look at them because, first off, we got Jawan Hall. I mean, Howell, excuse me. And this was the best game of his young career as a freshman. And 
Howell was somebody who I was extremely impressed with in that Jackson State game. He's a player who I felt was the best skill player that they had on the offense. And in a game where everything went wrong, I feel like Howell was the one bright spot. That was the one guy that I was like, I like him. I liked him. It was And it was another defensive lineman who I can't remember. It wasn't Green, but it was somebody else. I was like, oh, I like him too. Um, But he's even had a couple of flickers since then, most notably against Georgia Tech. He has six carries for 64 yards. So you nearly 11 a pop against an FBS competition. That's what we like to see. We love to see that. That's how you make some money. That's how you get on the radar. But in this game, he had 13 carries, 119 yards, and most importantly, three touchdowns. He wasn't actually the leading rusher, though. He is the leading rusher for the team this year. But in this game, he wasn't. That's when you get to Tyler Smith. And when you get to Tyler Smith, then he had 12 carries for 122 yards and a touchdown. And he doubled his production. He only had 16 carries coming into the game. He got 12 in this game. So you already see the workload increasing. And then also, as far as yards go, he had 100 yards total through the whole season. He had 122 in this game. But that's not it. Because like I said, it's a triumvirate of, of running backs. It's three guys that I really want to lean on if I'm South Carolina State. And the last guy is Josh Shaw. So now when you look at Shaw, you're looking at a player who had 94 yards and he had a touchdown. So now that's over 300 yards in rushing and then also five touchdowns by this team. Yeah, five touchdowns. So all five of your touchdowns. I had to do quick math real quick. but. Because I was using 30 as a bar. You said you dropped 30 points. So that's what happened when you round. Sometimes you forget, you know, you trip yourself up. But overall, this is important for two reasons. One, one, and maybe most importantly, they carried that game. And when I'm talking about stringing together offense, they're going to be the ones who are probably going to do it more times than not. And when you run the ball, you can beat anybody. That's ball control. That's keeping it out of the other offense's hands. You have to turn that into points. We talked about that with Texas Southern. You have to turn that into points. But overall, that's a great sign. That is a great sign. And then secondly, or B, because I think I said A first. So A, that's ball control. They carry the offense, and you can beat anybody like that. But B, they're young. They're all freshmen slash redshirt freshmen. So I'm loving that. Like, this is – and I know Pew is gone after this year. Whoever they bring in, they should try to keep these guys because this is the type of – running attack that can carry your offense forward and allow you to figure out what your offense can be or your quarterback is going to be so that you can figure out what your offense is going to look like. I I thought that this was a great sign. Being able to drop 30 behind young guys like this, we'll see. They have a huge test up. They have North Carolina Central next game, but they know how to play Central. Only team to beat Central over the last two years in the in the conference. So we'll see what they can do. That's actually a game I'm really looking forward to. It won't be our game of the week, but I'll tell you this. When we do our quote-unquote extra games to watch, that'll probably get its own segment. It won't be bunched in with anything else. That will get its own segment because the Magic City Classic is on Saturday, but this is also a game that we have to highlight, and that comes out on Thursday. So until tomorrow, we'll actually talk about North Carolina Central tomorrow and why I like the victory over Morgan State. But until then... Until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care. Stay blessed. Peace.